Lager's Carpool is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on my drive to work this morning. Today is a good morning. The Lakers won last night 109 to 102 in Phoenix to tie up the series one game to one game in their first round matchup against the Suns. All that and more. Let's get into it. Well, the Lakers looked much better last night in their game against the Suns than they did on Sunday in game one. Much of that to uh, Anthony Davis's credit, who had 34 points. He had, oh gosh, I didn't look it up before, but he had a lot of rebounds. <laughs> My bad. Um, he went to the free throw line 21 times, or sorry, he didn't go to the free throw line 21 times. He got 21 free throw attempts, which really just shows that he was playing aggressive last night, trying to uh, impose his will on DeAndre Ayton and the rest of the Suns. So LeBron James, LeBron James, wow, Anthony Davis led the Lakers in points with 34 points. And it, it was really the big, the Lakers' big three, or at least the big three during the season, which was Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder had a big game with 24 points. LeBron James followed him with 23 points. And then Andre Drummond, who also played pretty poorly in Game 1, came out ready to go last night with 15 points. He had a double-double. He had he had a double-double at the end of, like, the second... By the end of the second quarter, I think. He had, like, already had 11 points, 10 rebounds. So he, uh, he played very well, at least compared to how he played in Game 1, that's for sure. Uh, but whenever, yeah, if you're getting, if the Lakers are getting 15 points from Andre Drummond, plus 20 plus points from Shooter, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, that, you know, that's, they're in pretty good shape. But all that to say, those guys played well, but the rest of the Lakers team did not play well. The uh, KCP, zero points, 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, the Lakers ended up shooting 30% from the three point line, which actually was pretty even with what the Suns. Did. They, I think it was like the Lakers shot 30.6 and the Suns shot 30.8. They basically shot, shot the same from three-point line. Uh, but the Lakers shot very poorly. <clears throat> KCP, like I said, I mean, whenever you have a starter putting up a goose egg in the points column, uh, it's pretty rough. I mean, I think I saw on Twitter that even though KCP had zero points, though, he, in his plus-minus, he was like plus 22, which just kind of shows that the Lakers were playing well, even though he himself was not playing well. But there was a point in the third quarter where the Lakers' offense started stalling. They started missing – they missed a lot of wide-open shots. I mean, 
it's pretty crazy that the Lakers are as good of a team as they are, or at least have the potential to be as good of a team as they can be, and are s- such a poor three-point shooting team. Wide open threes from Kuzma, Caruso, KCP, uh, Marcus All, Anthony Davis even, and just complete, complete bricks. Wes Matthews, I mean, just KCP in the first quarter had a shot. And it wasn't necessarily a wide open shot. I think he was getting closed out on, but had a shot in the corner and shot off the side of the backboard. So uh, I don't know if we can continue making fun of Paul George for that last season. Although I guess Paul George was wide open when he did that, I think. Anyways, neither here nor there. KCP is just not in his game. You know, I listening to some other podcasts yesterday, you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with the the crowd and the crowd noise and that impact. You know, we heard that after game one, the Lakers were certainly not prepared for that type of atmosphere. I mean... You know, the Phoenix, it's, it's pretty much packed out. I mean, the Lakers, like, Stable Center, we have fans there and stuff, but they're not letting that many fans in the stadium as they are in Phoenix. Or at least, not that I'm aware of. So, that was that was the first, I mean, the game one, packed stands, crowd going nuts. I mean, that's the first time... That's the first time some of those players have even heard that type of atmosphere. Like, talking about, like, Kuzma, Caruso. Like, the guys that made their playoff debuts last season in the bubble where it was basically silent the whole time, right? It's like, that's going from 0 to 100. Uh, same thing with, I mean, like, KCP. Like, with the like this whole Lakers team, aside from from LeBron James, really, and maybe Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol... Um, you know, haven't really dealt with those types, that type of atmosphere. So that was a bit of a wrinkle that I, I didn't mention in my last episode about Game One. But I think that also plays a factor. Played a factor last night as well. We saw, um, we saw in the third. I want to say it was the third quarter. Yeah, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, where out of nowhere the crowd just started erupting. I mean, it's funny. It was almost like the Suns didn't really do anything that crazy, and then everyone just started like get it going nuts so I don't know if there's something going on in the, going on in the stadium that I wasn't privy to or whatnot but either that or, or the Suns just really overreact to poking the ball away from someone but not actually stealing the ball because that's what happened I mean Cameron Payne I think it was or someone one of the guards on the Suns poked the ball away from from Alex Caruso Alex Caruso recovered the ball um, they were putting pressure on the Lakers the Lakers were a little bit discombobulated that's fair but the Suns didn't actually really do anything. And then the crowd just starts going nuts. Lakers call timeout just to to get control of their wits and whatnot. The crowd's going nuts. Lakers call timeout. Cameron Payne. Honestly, I don't know if it's Cameron Payne, but anything that, that I see that's annoying that happens that the Suns do, I'm just attributing it to Cameron Payne because he's kind of like the new Patrick Beverly almost, I feel like. Um, or he's like the Patrick Be- Beverly for the Suns. Um he, Cameron Payne's like waving his arms up in the air, like getting, like telling the crowd to, to to get loud and stuff. And and you know I get it, right? Like the the Suns were down by 15 at one point. The Suns looked pretty bad in the first half. 
They had a lot of turnovers. Um, the Lakers were playing great defense. Their offense was, I wouldn't say it was great, but it was definitely working well enough. Um, so I get it for the Suns, right? Like you want to get that crowd back in, engaged. You want to get that energy. You know, you feed through that energy from the crowd and whatnot. So I, I get why they want to do that. I just thought it was funny that they were getting so hyped up for basically no reason. Like, literally, literally what they did was poke the ball away from Alex Crusoe. Alex Crusoe recovered the ball. And then they brought it to half court, or past half court, and Lakers called timeout. So, I mean, whatever. Just thought it was funny. But I also get why they did it. So, they get hyped up. The crowd... And then, I mean, and then after that, to the Suns' credit, and to the crowd's credit, I suppose, the Suns went on a run. The Suns went on, like, a 9-0 run, or, or a, they went on a, on a big run, maybe even a 16-6 run. And, and the Lakers did not look very good. They were, they were getting stagnant on, on offense. They weren't really sure on defense what to, what to do. Because Cameron Payne was kind of taking over for Chris Paul, who injured himself in Game One and, and is definitely was struggling in Game Two with that injury. Um, Cameron Payne was getting around screens. He was kind of honestly he was playing like Dennis Schroeder, uh, if you know what that looks like, where he kind of play gets around a screen and just explodes to the basket, gets a quick layup. Um, he started hitting ridiculous threes. Um, so. So, the, so they go on that run. They cut down the Lakers' lead, which had gotten up to 15 points after halftime. Um, at halftime, the Lakers had gone were up by, I think, 6 at halftime. They come out of halftime. Lakers go on like a 10-0, 10-1 run, uh, get up by 15. And then, and then the Suns go on this run, basically. So that's where we're at. And then Lakers kind of settle in. They, they get control of themselves. And then... Um, they kind of ended up taking over. Uh, LeBron James hit some ridiculous shots. Uh, I mean, I, w- I will say the reason that the Lakers' offense got stagnant is because whatever they're doing, like they're just like in a lot of those possessions, the the Lakers would would move the ball around, get an open shot. But because the Lakers were shooting so poorly as a team, like KCP, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, all those guys were shooting pretty poorly, and the team itself as a whole was shooting poorly, Like I feel like a lot of times they would get a shot that was an open shot or would have been a good look, but then they pass it up. They pass it up to a guy in the corner or to Anthony Davis at the three-point line with five seconds left on the shot clock, and then the Lakers are forced to to make a move or to do something but they're 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 pushing their each possession to the end of the shot clock which is if you're the suns you're you're that's great defense right if you're forcing a team to use up the entire shot clock to get even a decent look that's great defense so the lakers are letting the suns the lakers are just being stagnant in general not taking open shots and whatnot and, I mean, whatever. Like, if KCP's not hitting shots and he doesn't want to shoot the shots, then maybe I don't want him shooting them anyway. But there was a point, there was a play late in the game where LeBron James had the had the ball on the 
if you're facing the hoop, the left side of the the left side of the court behind the three point line, he motions to Alex Caruso, who's on the other side of the court, to to cut through and to kind of basically clear the way. He cuts through. His defender, uh, Alex Caruso's defender, follows him, which leaves KCP open for the three. LeBron James skips it over to KCP, who has a wide open three, who then pump fakes and then passes it on to Dennis Schroeder in the corner where Dennis Schroeder is forced to shoot a three with a guy covering him with a shot clock winding down and he misses it and then I think the Lakers called timeout or the Suns called timeout or there's a stop there's there's a stoppage in play and you see LeBron go to KCP like hey man shoot the ball I'm passing it to you because you're open shoot the ball you know and so hopefully LeBron and Anthony Davis can can kind of get it into the Lakers heads like we gotta we gotta take the open shots when we have it they're gonna fall eventually let's just stay the course you know instead the Lakers are passing up open shots running down to the end of the shot clock and then I mean props to LeBron and a couple times Anthony Davis but mostly LeBron who had the ball in his hands at the end of a shot clock or towards the, the shot clock winding down and he hit he hit at least three or four pretty big shots uh whether they're three pointers or two pointers but like he hit he hit a handful of big shots that in my opinion are very clutch shots uh at that towards the while the shot clock's winding down to uh put the lakers to to keep the lakers momentum going to keep that lead even when it got cut down and the, the suns even took the lead at one point by a by one point and the Lakers go down and LeBron hits a big shot you know it's like he really kept the Lakers afloat Anthony Davis kept the Lakers afloat um, and that's what I mean that just shows how good LeBron James and Anthony Davis are especially when you have a little bit of help from a guy like Dennis Schroeder and Andre Drummond but that Anthony Davis can score 34 LeBron James can score 23 and the rest of the team, aside from Dennis Schroeder and Andre Drummond, can play awfully, just awful, and you still win. And and the Lakers, honestly, like could have won by more than seven. They their defense kind of break their defensive breakdowns that allowed the Suns back in the game were a bit uncharacteristic. It was almost like they just weren't expecting Cameron Payne to play as well as he did. And and to be fair, like, you know, he's only he's he's only averaged like five points in the playoffs before. He's not like the kind of guy that you would normally be afraid of blowing up, right? Like normally you're doubling Devin Booker and then it leaves Cameron Payne open or something. Or like you're you're more worried about Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton than you are Cameron Payne. And Cameron Payne stepped up, props to him for keeping the Suns in that game. But defensive breakdowns, a little bit of luck on the Suns' part, and and it's a much closer game than it should have been the entire game. And, you know, I'll say, like, winding so winding down in that game, the Suns, we were kind of back to the point where there's like a minute left in the game, Lakers up by six or seven, maybe even went up by like eight or nine and twice in a row down the court the Lakers fouled Devin Booker behind the three-point line 
Now, we can argue about whether or not those are actually legitimate fouls. I mean, I honestly, like, people talk about LeBron getting favorable calls when he has the ball in his hands. But I will say, like, watching Devin Booker, who, again, is a great player, don't get me wrong, he almost gets that Trey Young treatment where it's like you barely tap him, you barely touch him, like inadvertently touch him while he's shooting the ball and is a foul. And it's like, you know, come on. I mean, like, just a ima- like, I don't know. I I hate to to say this because everyone tends to think that that LeBron gets a lot of calls or whatever, but like because LeBron's so big and so strong. I mean, this is my argument with LeBron, right? Is like the reason that LeBron has to flop so much, and I've talked about this already, right, on the podcast episodes ago. The reason LeBron does flop so much, at least giving him the benefit of the doubt, is because he he's so big that like if he didn't like flop a little bit, he probably wouldn't get any call. Like he he would barely he would barely get any calls. I'm just gonna say that. I think like I think that he he flops as much as he does partially I mean I think it's a bad habit I, don't, I think he's a I think he's formed a habit and it's a bad habit to flop a lot because being a bigger guy you just don't get calls as much that's just how basketball works like it's kind of one of the like bigger flaws in the game in my opinion but like the bigger guys on the court don't get as many calls and so in order to get those calls or in order to like show that you actually are getting fouled, you kind of have to, like, play it up a little bit. So that's kind of a, a an aside point. But um, Devin Booker, he goes down, and he shoots two quick threes, and, like, Dennis Schroeder's hand was out just barely, and, and Devin Booker swiped his hand, swiped Schroeder's hand as he went up, and they called a foul. All I have to say is, like, I think the Lakers, I mean, first of all, if you don't call those fouls, then Devin Booker's missing those shots because he's he's headhunting those fouls, basically. Um, and then if you don't foul him, the chances of him making the three are probably pretty pretty low just because they're, like, desperation shots and stuff. Um, and so the Lakers probably go and win that game by 12 or 13 if those garbage time uh, fouls don't happen against Devin Booker so Devin Booker played well he ended up with 31 points Uh, I think he had 17 free throw attempts so he had I mean he had 17 free throw attempts but he also had six of them in the last 30 seconds because of those dumb fouls by the Lakers um and, and also like I will say for those fouls at the end of the game like while they're annoying fouls and I don't necessarily agree that they should have been called fouls with what happened the Lakers like need to be a little smarter about like their positioning on those three-pointers right it's like let's you want to obviously be in front of him you want to close out on him you want to disrupt his shot as much as you can but also just don't be dumb about it like don't just keep your hands straight up don't put your hands out you know whatever right that's one of the flaws in the NBA that we've seen this season where like you have Trey Young who dribbles dribbles he like gets his man behind him 
dribbles to like the free throw line, abruptly stops and shoots with the man trailing the the defender trailing him, who run, then runs into him and it's a foul. Right? It's like, do you do should that be a foul? Probably not. Right? It's like it's like it's like inadvertent contact. Right? Like it most of the time it probably should not be a foul. But that's just how the NBA is working right now. They're calling those fouls, so defenders need to be smarter about how they're defending in those situations. And the same goes for these three-pointers against Devin Booker. Now, I'm taking a lot of time to talk about this. It didn't really affect the game that much other than the the final score. I mean, the Lakers were probably go. I mean, the Lakers ended up winning anyways, and he got six free throws in the last 30 seconds. So... The Lakers were going to win anyway. They did win anyway. It's just, it's more like a frustrating thing that you see where it's like, one of my big things when the Lakers are in the playoffs, I mean, one of my big things last season with the Lakers in the playoffs were attention to detail, right? It's like, obviously the, the big things are important, but the little things are what puts a team over and above on that championship level. You see that with the Lakers making the extra effort on defense to disrupt a pass or to grab a 50-50 ball or to get a rebound, right? It's like those the attention to detail on those things are very important. I mean, that's why I harp on free throws so much, and the Lakers shot pretty well from the free throw line last night, but that's something that the Lakers struggled with last season in the playoffs were, were free throws, something that they struggled with during this season were free throws, and my guess is they will kind of struggle with them again in this playoffs, but you know, it's just the attention to detail, you get free, you know, free throws are literally like free points and you miss those shots and you're taking away an advantage that you could possibly have. Um, and so those attention to detail, right? So on defense, right? Like putting your hand up just a little bit to the point where De- Devin Booker can swipe through and force a foul basically and get that call. You know, taking that away from him where he's just forced to take a desperate long three pointer, I'd rather have that than a ticky tack foul where he gets three free throws because, like we saw, he's a very good free throw shooter. So those are just kind of like some little things that, that I saw that were a little frustrating from the Lakers but overall I will say the defense played very well I mean the Suns are the second seed in the West they had the second best record in the NBA I, I believe because they, they're only one game behind the Jazz I believe the Jazz had the best record in the NBA and the Lakers held them in game one to 99 points even for how bad they played in game one they held the Suns to 99 points and then in game two, they've held the Suns to 102 points. And honestly, it would have been, probably should have been 96 points. But that's neither here nor there. Held them to 102 points last night. Um, the Lakers themselves, only scoring 109, is still pretty subpar for them, I would say. Um, I think that's the thing that's crazy is, so like in game one... The Lakers lose only by nine, and they played awful. Anthony Davis played awful. Just a bad game all around for the Lakers. Game two, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder all have great games, but 
the rest of the team outside of Andre Drummond really did not play that great offensively, like in terms of making baskets. And the Lakers still win by seven, but had like up to a 15 point lead and were, and were dominated. They dominated most of the game, to be honest. I mean, it was only towards the end of the game, you know, in the fourth quarter where they really let things get a little hairy. So it just goes to show again, how much we haven't even, we have not seen the fully unleashed, unlocked version of this Lakers team. We haven't seen a version of this Lakers team where LeBron and Anthony Davis play like they played last night, but then you also get, you know, three threes from KCP. You know, maybe maybe you get 12 points from KCP. Uh, maybe you get 18 from Dennis Schroeder. Um, you get the points from, from Drummond. You get, you know, you get Kuzma hitting a couple threes. You get Caruso hitting a couple threes. Um, Marcus Saul. Like, if this team even hit a third of the threes that they shot last night, this game is not even close. Not even close to being close. So, we just, that's the one of the most encouraging things, is that the Lakers, their potential is really through the roof, and it's really just about getting that, that chemistry, and, and that's something that we're seeing the Lakers work through during these playoffs, honestly, is that on-the-court chemistry. You know, the Lakers had a great, unbelievable chemistry last season in the playoffs, uh, going into the season, or sorry, going into the playoffs from the season and from the bubble and all that stuff. This season, having LeBron and Anthony Davis miss a combined 50-something games out of the 72 that they played, like, when you have your two best players missing, like, when you're playing on the court without one of them for at least 50 games, that's really going to be tough to, to build that chemistry and whatnot. So, so the Lakers are working through these chemistry issues almost um, during the playoffs right now, which is going to be, you know, there's going to be some growing pains there. And it's all about just improving. So we've seen some Lakers look bad game one. We've seen improvement in game two. Let's just hope that we can see continued improvements in game threes, in games three, four, five. Hopefully it doesn't have to go further than that, but six and seven if needed. Um I think that it's very one of the best things that that I haven't talked about about last night's win that is really the most obvious um, is stealing home court advantage. So the Lakers steal home court advantage from the Suns. They come back. Game three will be on Thursday in Staples Center. The Lakers. It's important for a few reasons. First of all, I mean, just like I was talking about earlier is the atmosphere in, in, in Phoenix. This season, home court advantage plays a big role. Last season, it did not. Lakers got the first seed last season, and it didn't really do anything for them, right? Like, they got the first seed. They would have had home court advantage all the way through the playoffs and the finals, and they didn't need it because they're in the bubble. This season, they need it. They're in the seventh seed. They don't have it. So stealing home court advantage is huge. Um, it flips the series on its head a little bit. Lakers can go back to Stable Center, and where they're comfortable, where they got their fans, um, and hopefully, 
hopefully just continue to take over take over the series. So, so game three Thursday night, I think at seven o'clock in Staples Center. Um, I think I mean I, I think the Lakers really have a, a good chance of taking over the series, um, especially with Chris Paul and his injury. So Chris Paul, I mentioned last episode in game one, he went down with a shoulder injury. They called it a, a shoulder contusion. And he looked just completely out of it and off on in game one when he came back to the game where he couldn't even dribble. Like, he he was losing the ball. He couldn't control the ball. Game two last night, he, he started. He was playing. But he was passing up on, on shots that he normally would take. He was missing some shots, turning the ball over. And he really didn't play for most of the game. He he went out and and the announcers kept being like, I don't know if we're gonna see Chris Paul again. Um. So I think he eventually did come back for a little bit, but he he really was a non-factor. Um, and if that continues to be the case, that only makes things easier for the Lakers. Where the Suns, I mean, Chris Paul is the seasoned veteran. Uh, I mean, it's Chris Paul and Jay Crowder really are the two veterans that have been in the playoffs I mean Jay Crowder was on the heat last season uh, when the Lakers played them in the finals so he has experience matching up against Anthony Davis and LeBron and and a more and a majority of the the Lakers team um and and so losing Chris Paul though is is huge for the Suns in that you're losing out on that floor general being that he's a point guard and all that stuff that only tilts things in the Lakers' favor a little bit more, so it'll be that'll be something to watch, something to pay attention to is is Chris Paul and his status and just how he's feeling and playing. Um, because I think if he's at 100, percent it definitely makes things a little harder on the Lakers. And and that game two looks maybe looks a little different if you have 100 percent Chris Paul or even close to 100 percent Chris Paul playing. Um, and then something else to think about and to look at is the Lakers' rotation in Game 3. So, in Game 1, Marcus All didn't touch the floor. Uh, we had, like, Drummond, Montrezl Harrell, Anthony Davis were, like, the, the big men that played. Last night was flipped. Montrezl Harrell did not touch the floor last night. Uh, Marcus All played a good amount of minutes. And that was something that, that, I, that I realized in Game 1 is that Marcus Saul is a great guy to have on the floor when you have Anthony Davis on the floor but no LeBron James because because you'll notice that LeBron James LeBron James and when when LeBron is off the off the floor and Anthony Davis is on the floor the Lakers offense becomes very stagnant and is much less efficient but I think when you put Marcus Saul on the floor um he kind of helps move the ball around. He helps find that open man, kind of like LeBron does. He's a, he's a, he's a great facilitator. He can stretch the floor more, right? He can shoot threes, where Montrez and, and Andre Drummond aren't shooting threes. Um, so you push Marcus All out to the three-point line, where he can help kind of command things on offense. He can be a, a three-point threat potentially, um, and he can also unclog the lane for Anthony Davis. So so we saw Marcus All in that lineup last night, which I think worked out pretty well. 
for the most part. I don't have like the numbers on it in terms of like their plus minus and and how they did statistically, but um, the Lakers played pretty well overall with that lineup in there, from what I remember. And I think I think we'll probably see that again in Game Three. I think Montrez Harrell should get some minutes, only because he's a energy guy. He's a guy that will get a big block or a big dunk, or he'll get that loose ball, and and he'll he'll inject some energy into the team. I think that had he been in the game a little bit more, the Lakers maybe don't don't lose that 15 point lead as, as easily and uh, you know who knows but I do like what what Trez has to offer to the Lakers I it may be a tough matchup given that he's not as big and he plays down low and DeAndre Ayton was kind of eating eating the Lakers up down low in game one so overall the the switch up the matchup the lineup that the Lakers did in game two worked pretty well so We'll probably see a little bit more of that in Game Three, um, but all the all that being said is, seeing a little Trez might be nice as well, just because he does give that that energy to the, to the team. So, you know, I think I, it's all in the Lakers' hands. Game Three and the rest of the series. If the Lakers play well, if the Lakers play their best basketball. If they go out there with the intention of playing their best basketball, if they have the the defensive intensity that they had in Game Two then I have a hard time not seeing the Lakers run away with this series, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want the Lakers need to, to do the little things. They need to do the right things. They need to play well. They need to hit shots. And, uh, and I mean, if the Lakers are playing good defense, they can afford to miss some shots like they did last night. They played really good defense. Played really good defense. Missed a lot of shots and still... And still won that game fairly easily. I mean, there was definitely a scare towards the end of the fourth quarter. But overall, I would say the Lakers were in control of the game for most of the game. Um, When the Suns took the lead at the end of the fourth quarter, that was their first lead since it was 12-11, to I think. So Lakers really commanded that game for for the majority of the game. Let it slide a little bit, but... If the Lakers play good defense, they can afford to miss some shots, but it would be nice to see the Lakers just go out there, play good defense, hit shots, do the little things, do the big things, do everything, and and take over the game. So, game three, I think the Lakers win game three, their first game of the playoffs this season at Stable Center. Stable Center is going to go nuts, even though, I mean, I don't know how full Stable Center is, if it's like half capacity or what. Um, but you put a few thousand Lakers fans into an arena, and it's going to be loud no matter what. May not be as loud as Phoenix was, but hopefully we can get that the Lakers faithful in to Stable Center, get them loud, and and kind of give Phoenix a taste of their their own medicine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers! Go Lakers!